Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. A vegan diet is generally recognized as one of the most earth-friendly diets. Vegans eat a wide variety of foods, but don't eat any foods that are animal-based, such as meat, chicken, fish, cheese, or eggs. How is that earth-friendly? Industrial and even organic farming of animals, whether cows, chickens, pigs, sheep, goats, rabbits, or whatever else, requires the use of large areas of land. It requires vast amounts of grains grown for the purpose of animal rather than human consumption. It requires the use of enormous amounts of water, which is a limited resource, and it heavily pollutes our air, water, and soil. The effect of animal production on the environment is one important reason people choose to become vegan. But vegans also cite the exploitation and extreme cruelty that occurs in meat production and improved human health as two other essential reasons to be vegan. The United Kingdom has one of the oldest vegan societies, and its founder, a man named Donald Watson, coined the term vegan. My guest today is Timothy Thorpe. He's the campaigns and policy officer of the Vegan Society. He spoke to me from his office in Birmingham, England. I asked him to begin by providing a definition of veganism. To summarize, it is as a philosophy and a way of living that seeks to exclude um, as far as possible and practical um, all forms of exploitation uh, and cruelty of animals. Um, and that includes food, clothing, or, or for any other purpose. And so that kind of relates to uh, why people become or decide to become vegan. Uh, and those reasons can include being opposed to animal exploitation and cruelty, uh, the effect of diet on health, and the environment. So uh, let's begin with animal exploitation and cruelty as it relates to the production of foods such as meat, dairy, and eggs. Yeah, so um, you're definitely right to identify those, the, the, the three main drivers um, that kind of bring people to veganism. Um, so in terms of animal cruelty, um, yes, it's animal cruelty um, and animal exploitation. And um, so, Animal cruelty and, and acts of animal cruelty are ubiquitous across um, the food supply chain um, and, and usually are a result of um, the kind of inherent contradiction between requiring resources from those animals um, and, and, you know, their need for those resources themselves. So um, you know, forced extraction of, of product essentially from these animals. Um, and I think it's not just overt acts of cruelty, though, that I think draw people to veganism and are part of uh, the vegan philosophy. It's about that, um, the kind of inherent um, unfairness uh, and exploitative nature of using an animal um, for, for kind of personal benefit um, or for its instrumental value um, and not understanding that it has its own interests. Um, so, so. I think cruelty is one aspect and that's probably the most kind of, you know, that's kind of what brings people to, to veganism and, and makes people realize, you know, 
kind of brings people to that realization, um, that kind of emotive feeling that they, they feel when, uh, um, you know, of guilt and unfairness when they see cruel acts. Um, but yeah, and I think also the scale um, of the of the exploitation and the suffering within farming systems. So um, in the UK, just to use the UK as an example, uh, one billion chickens are killed each year. Um, mostly or usually after only a, a few weeks of of life um uh, quite a kind of degrading life um and 28 million cows pigs uh, and sheep are, are also killed each year um usually before even reaching adulthood um so it, you know it's there's the scale of the cruelty as well that i think that i think bring people to veganism um but i, I think often people don't realize um that animals within the f- food system farmed animals um, just how short their their lives are um, usually, um, and and yeah, most of the the animal products, uh, most of the certainly most of the meat that people eat, um, are essentially from juvenile animals. Um, so yeah, I think that that's that's definitely a key driver. Now uh, you spoke earlier about vegetarianism, where people will eat uh, dairy and eggs. Uh, with the with the idea that well you're not killing the animal in order to receive those those products, um, how does veganism approach that? I mean, what what's what was the uh, yeah. you know the the argument for the, for excluding those? Yeah, so I think the the way veganism approaches that is is to recognise that um, in these. Uh, other industries, so um, in eggs and dairy industry, uh, to take the most two two kind of most high profile examples, they're they're essentially the same industry, uh, and they, um, while you know in theory you don't need to kill a chicken to take chicken eggs, um, the reality is that that once a chicken is no longer useful for egg production um, within the farming system. Um, it's killed summarily. The same applies to male chickens, um, who obviously are not egg-laying um, mm. chickens and are killed um, shortly after birth. Um, likewise, with with dairy, um, yes, you don't have to kill the um, the dairy cow to get the to to receive that milk. But most dairy cows, once they become um, suboptimal or, or not as productive as they should be, um, are, are killed for meat. Anyway, uh, likewise with their calves, um, who obviously um, represent a, a loss of income for, for farmers if they if they continue to um, uh, to use that the milk from the cow. Um, so they're usually sold um, to be killed quite early on in their life. Um, so that's that's where I think veganism kind of moves on from from vegetarianism, in that it it, it really. It doesn't see a, con- a conceptual or practical difference um, between those products and between the actual flesh of animals, um, and, it, and it really sees their, their, that exploitation as, as being one and the same. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Timothy Thorpe, Campaigns and Policy Officer of the Vegan Society, and uh, we're talking about uh, veganism and the reasons why people might change to a vegan diet. And uh, Tim, you were just talking about the uh, dairy and eggs. And uh, is some of that also related to the conditions in which dairy and egg uh, laying chickens are are kept, which isn't, as I understand it, much different from those that will end up as meat? 
Um, yeah, for sure. I think um, there's a that's an, that's an interesting question because there's um, uh, there's a kind of a, a, often a difference between um, concerns based on on the welfare of the animals um, and more kind of um, vegan concerns, which are uh, almost go beyond that and are, are against the actual philosophical exploitation itself. But I think most people, you know, who are vegan, you know, would yeah would, would also recognize that the conditions in which animals live um are, are also incredibly important so yeah i think i think that's one thing that, that kind of drives people to veganism um yeah increasingly um intensive chicken farming both for eggs and for for meat is becoming um the norm it's certainly an area of growth in the uk um and likewise with the intensification of dairy so so mm -hmm. yes i think the the there's a similarity between the conditions um, faced by intensively reared um, animals for, for both meat and for eggs and dairy. Um, but at the same time, I think most vegans would go beyond that, uh, looking at the conditions and, and, and actually want to insist that um, it's, the, it's the act itself that, that is the kind of the primary, um, primarily at fault. The other reason that people might change to a vegan diet is health. Um, so talk about how a vegan diet would affect a person's health. Yeah, and interestingly, in the in the UK at least, again, sorry to keep using UK specific examples, but I think um, health uh, ha does come out uh, when we look into this issue and we look at polling and stuff on this issue, does come out actually as the leading reason at the moment that people are becoming vegan, um, which is interesting. I think I think that's about people taking control of their diet, you know, using those principles to take control of their their diet and, and what they put in their body. Um, so, you know, what effects a vegan diet have on people's health? Uh, well, it really depends what a vegan diet it, we're talking about. Um, obviously, you can you can have a, an incredibly healthy vegan diet, um, but you could also have an unhealthy vegan diet. Um, but what it can mean and what it tends to mean for, for many people is a higher intake of vegetables. Uh, and that obviously has positive uh, effects on the diet in terms of nutrition. It can lead to an increase, increased consumption of nuts and pulses. Um, diets across Europe um, and I'm sure across the US as well fall well below optimal levels of consumption of pulses like beans and peas. Um, and higher intake of these has been linked to lower mortality rates. Um, so, so there's some potential benefits, uh, as particularly of vegan diets, um, which are high in vegetables and in whole foods and pulses, and whole grains. Um, so the way we approach uh, the health aspects of veganism is really to say um, that a healthy vegan diet uh, should be well planned, um, but that, uh, and this is the, according to the British Dietetics Association, that there shouldn't be any concerns. Um, you know, there's nothing stopping people from from being vegan from a health point of view. You can be healthy um, uh, on a well-planned vegan diet at all ages and at all life stages. Um, so that means for children and adults, including during pregnancy and breastfeeding. Um, but that that means that the only if the nutritional intake is is well planned, uh, and that's I think good advice for people of all diets. Right, right. Um, how many? I I know that uh, I think I looked this up, and that about one percent, or a little over one percent, of the U.S. population is vegan. Uh, what is the uh, statistic in the U.K. or in Europe? 
Um, it's probably similar. Um, so the last time we did a comprehensive analysis of this um, was in 2019. Um, and we, we, do, we do our how many vegans survey. Um, and basically, this, um, we do this through a polling company and, and we try and work out how many vegans there are in the UK. Um, that, that suggested that there was a little over 1% of the population. We have seen evidence since that to suggest that it's increased substantially, but um, um, that's not, you know, but, but we will have to wait until we do our next comprehensive survey to, um, to establish that. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Timothy Thorpe, Campaigns and Policy Officer of the Vegan Society. Right now, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Timothy Thorpe, Campaigns and Policy Officer of the Vegan Society, uh, and we are talking about veganism. Now, how does being a vegan affect one's carbon footprint and thereby the environment? Um, well, this is this is the area that I uh, focus on for the Vegan Society, actually. This is the area where I do most of my work. Um, there's a whole host of ways in which a vegan diet uh, leads to lower environmental impacts. Um, and yeah, the, the most comprehensive piece of research available on this, um, it was from Oxford in 2018. Um, but there's, there's loads of uh, data and information about there on this. Um, this was a study that um, concluded that moving from current diets uh, to diets that exclude animal products would reduce the land use of food by 76%, globally this is, uh, reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by half, reduce its fresh water use by around 20% um, and also reduce the pollution of water bodies and the use of pesticides and fertilizers. Um, so th that was from a global study that, that compared, um, I think it's three, 3,000, uh, over 3,000 farms internationally uh, and looked at a range of different products. Um, so there's some quite stark figures there. Yeah. That, that need kind of uh, explaining, you know, why is this the case? Why is it the case that actually excluding these animal products um, has such positive benefits across all these different environmental metrics? Um, well, one reason is the direct emissions from farmed animals. Um, so uh, in the UK, methane emissions from sheep and cows um, alone account for over half of the total emissions from the agriculture sector. Um, that's because it's a very powerful greenhouse gas, um, but the, the the impact is larger than that. So uh, the second biggest source of emissions from the uh, agriculture sector is nitrous oxide, and that results um, from the management of wastes, um, the application of manure as fertilizer, uh, and the management of slurry, um, as well as from chemical fertilizers. Um, so, so that's the direct greenhouse gas emissions, and, and that's super important. Um, so, yeah, that, the, that makes quite a significant global contribution to, to global warming. Um, but I think the key to understanding all of these environmental impacts is actually, the, is actually land use, um, mm. because it, it's not just direct emissions from these animals, but it's actually the, um, the missed opportunity of using land differently. Um, so about 80% of farmland globally 
is uh, either used to graze animals on um, or to grow um, crops to feed to animals. So that's yeah, nearly 80%, despite the fact that um, about only 18% of global calories come from farmed animals. Um, wow. So it's incredibly inefficient. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that results partly from the fact that most of the energy that we are feeding to animals, so whether that be in feed or in um, grass, um, is used by the animal itself. It doesn't end up in the in the products that we that we take from the animal, so um, they're used in its movement, in its metabolic processes, and its in its own kind of life. Um, so that's something called a feed conversion efficiency so in, in in farming um, and in on the production side, uh, and that's about the actual efficiency from from what you put in and what you, what you have to feed the animals to to actually the food that is extracted. Um, so so that's kind of at the nub of the issue, um, and. Land and soil and vegetation are really our our main tool for reversing or, or mitigating climate change. Actually, taking carbon from the air and storing it in vegetation and in soils um, is going to be a really important um, part of our climate response. Um, mm. And while we've got so much land use devoted to to animal farming. Um, we we seriously curtail our ability to uh, to do that. And does this uh, also affect uh, uh, hunger in terms of the the use of this land for meat, which will feed a certain number of people? But if you use the same land for uh, grains and vegetables and things like that, that it would actually feed more people. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think wh whether this would actually help, well, you know, the effect on World hunger really depends on on how that land is used, as you say, and 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 how mm. those resources, uh, how how people have access to those resources. But certainly theoretically, um, a vegan system can use can produce a lot more food um, with less land or a, a primarily plant based system. Um, so yeah, in theory, actually repurposing arable land that's perfectly good good land that's used to grow, um, you know, high protein crops. Uh, fed to animals could be repurposed uh, to grow human food, um, and and yes, in theory, you could grow a lot more, a lot more food, produce right. a lot more calories, a lot more protein um, with less land. You're listening to Mothering Earth. Uh, I'm here today with Timothy Thorpe, campaigns and policy officer of the Vegan Society. There are other aspects to being a strict vegan, as I understand it, such as the use of leather in um, clothing and footwear and even in furniture. As you say, most the most kind of obvious thing um, in people's lives that, that people uh, think will be affected by becoming vegan is, is their diet and is food. Um, but for vegans, uh, it goes much beyond that. And they, they, they look at the um, whether animals have been exploited in the production of um, of really anything that they um, buy or consume, so um, and that that involves uh, leather, which is obviously from from animal skins, um, and also cosmetics um, and yeah, medicines, a whole host of other things. Okay, and and how do you, uh, as a vegan, how do you determine what's in your for example, cosmetics or medicines. Yeah, so, so that's a really, really good question, and I think the um, the back, the 
back to the definition that I gave of veganism earlier, which contains the kind of um, caveat as far as practicable and possible um, to exclude animal um, forms of animal exploitation. Um, and I, I think that's important because it recognizes the fact that um, that supply chains and that the impact that they have um, on animals is um, can be incredibly compli complicated to kind of unpack. Um, and so um, one thing that can be really useful for people when making those um, decisions um, are certification schemes and trademarks. Uh, there's a few of these around, which where basically organizations um, can um, get a certification or a product can get a certification as being vegan uh, and they'll look at all the ingredients in that product, um, ask questions of their supply chain, uh, and that will earn them a certification. I know one thing I've noticed is that uh, there are certain uh, vitamins that are um, in a gel form, and those can be from bovine gelatin, or they can be from a vegetarian source or a vegetable source. And yeah. that's sort of something I've just recently started noticing is that um, you know, some of some of the vitamins will, in fact, say vegan or vegetarian. Yeah, absolutely, and and right. yeah, and that's one of the things that we 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 do as well. So people can get in touch with us, and often do when they've got questions like this. Um, they might be a bit confused um, about whether something's vegan or not, um, and that's something that we can help with. Yeah. Okay, uh, so when we talk about a vegan diet, what what foods are included? What what kinds of things would we uh, would we be eating? Um, well, um, nowadays it it can be a whole range of foods. So I think in the last five years or so, um, a whole sector has developed um, and expanded very quickly, um, which caters for um, people's kind of. Uh, taste for the types of textures uh, and flavors that they're used to in meat uh, and dairy products. Um, so I think increasingly um, there's, there's really options in terms of what that means. Um, I th certainly for me and in, and in my diet, um, it does mean um, a lot more beans and pulses. Uh, it does mean nuts. It, um, it means thinking about, um, uh, yeah, in a, in a kind of holistic way, where my nutrients and protein are going to come from. It means whole foods, whole grains, um, and yeah, vegetables. Um, but but increasingly, as I say, there's a, a new sector that's developed that's catering for um, those right. times when you when, when people want to cook um, something that's similar to um, what they might have been used to before they were vegan. Um, and and I think yeah, there's probably more options now than there ever has been. Right. So you're talking about things like uh, sausage, vegan sausages and uh, burgers and things like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Or vegan sausages, vegan product. burgers, yeah, kind of replacement products that, that do a similar thing in, in um, meals, mints, right. things like that. Um, right. uh, a whole range of, of uh, plant-based milks as well, um, ones that mm -hmm. are you know, nicer in coffee or you know, suitable for various things. Right. And even vegan uh, cheeses, right? From, made from cashews and other coconut. And... Yeah, absolutely. Usually, usually uh, based in some sort of uh, vegetable, like as you say, either nut oil or coconut. Yeah. Right. 
My guest is Timothy Thorpe of the Vegan Society of the United Kingdom, speaking to us all the way from Birmingham, England. I asked him what campaigns they have coming up in the new year. We do a lot of educational outreach, lots of talks, events, um, things like that. Um, less so in schools, but we do, we do actually have resources that are suitable um, you know, for these different institutional settings, people to learn about veganism. Um, in terms of things that we're focusing on at the moment, um, we've got um, a whole load of campaigns that we're running. Um, so one of our key campaigns at the moment is uh, called The Future Normal. Um, and this is about getting people to um, imagine a future where we have moved beyond exploiting animals entirely. Um, and, and also about getting people to reflect on their values uh, and connect with those, those feelings of kind of love they have for animals um, in their early years um, and to kind of investigate kind of what, what goes wrong there um, with their relationship with animals. Um, so yeah, check out the Future Normal website. That's one of our main areas of work at the moment um, called futurenormal.org.uk. Um, okay. Other areas we're working on there. So we're gearing up to Veganuary. 2021. Um, that's obviously a really important time for, for veganism in the UK. Is Veganuary something you've heard of? No. So uh, Veganuary um, is... Uh, Can you spell that? Okay. Yeah, it's it's basically it's January, um, but instead of Jan, it's vegan. Um, oh. So uh, it's basically going... It's, it's the idea that people um, go vegan for the month of January. Check out the website at vegansociety.com and find your local vegan groups. Consider going vegan for the month of January or for any month of the year. You may find new health benefits and you will be seriously lowering your carbon footprint. Please tell people you know about this podcast. I hope you'll subscribe to Mothering Earth and give me a review on whatever podcast platform you use. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. Music